Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Rick Uccino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. What is going on, everybody? Good Wednesday afternoon. Day late, but a never dollar short here on the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast. Rick Uccino, SP3, with you guys for the next 45 minutes or so. Let's be honest, we never really end on time, although we always try. But how can we end on time when we have so much stuff to talk about? We got a CM Punk update today, an actual, honest-to-God CM Punk update, how he's feeling from people who are close to his camp. Both a report and a, and a pretty public uh, admission from a certain member of the AEW roster, who, by the way, is sticking around. Not a shocking revelation today, but FTR confirming they are sticking around in AEW that they have decided to re-sign. Kind of figured that would be the case after they won the Tag Team Championships Wednesday night in the main event against the Guns. So we'll dive into all of the AEW news because there's been a lot of it. If you haven't been paying attention, and I wrote about this for, for Cage Side Seats this week, a lot of focus on WWE for a lot of reasons. But there is a ton of momentum swinging. That pendulum is going back the other way in AEW's favor. FTR back in the fold. Switchblade Jay White, who WWE was so confident where they were going to land just a few weeks ago. He's now all elite, aligning himself with Juice Robinson and his battle against Ricky Starks. So that's a big get for AEW. And we get Andrew Zarian today tweeting out it's going to be a very interesting summer between WWE and AEW. And there just happens to be so many, you know, certain high-profile contracts, SP3, that are coming up here soon. Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, for an example. And that all ties in to the CM Punk situation so we'll dive into that that's what we call a little bit of a tease we will get there believe you me uh we got a, a really good report or not a report excuse me but a really good article by bleacher report this week on seth rollins our man phil Lindsay. we're going to show him some love and and ask the question that he uh praised uh, or phrased in his article this week does wwe have a seth rollins problem uh right now the wwe draft is back i think i speak for everybody when i say thank god and we got a, a big heel turn this week, although I feel like they might have jumped the gun just a little bit on it. We will talk about all of that. Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar as well. And WrestleMania backlash SP3. Thank God that seemed to be just a slip of the tongue. But we, we got to dive into all of that. And you look fired up and ready to go today, my good sir. So excited to talk about everything, folks. This bit. <laughs> um, no, no, it's a very interesting time in professional wrestling. Thought last week, uh, coming off the heels of WrestleMania, it was a lot of busy stuff. Uh, busy stuff going on between you know the fallout to WrestleMania, the decisions made there, the Raw after WrestleMania, and the mess with Vince McMahon back in the the main chair, the WWE uh, merger with UFC. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. did you say the Raw after WrestleMania? Did you was that a Freudian slip that you just said? I think, right? I think that was just my my <laughs> mental, my brain just made it. Oh, it must have been WrestleMania because 
That was good. There was, that was there a was, happy was, accident. That was good. It was WrestleMania night one, and then it was WrestleMania night two. <laughs> Either or, we are here. We can discuss some other stuff besides all that craziness. But yeah, I'm I'm glad that this was a lot, uh, you know, some news for us to discuss on this Wednesday. Yeah, MCAS bringing it up. Forgot about All In. Wembley Stadium, AEW. It, it, Tony Khan's had a hell of a week, uh, and we will definitely dive into all of it. We appreciate everybody who's already in the chat. Ace and a Shock, Frantic World, Stephen Chambers saying, Hallelujah, WWE Draft. Uh, we got so many uh, others in the MCAS saying uh, SP3 needs sleep and a hell of a two weeks in uh, in pro wrestling. Uh, I mean, hell, SP3 and I, myself both. Not only has it been, you know, pro wrestling, but we also got young kids. So, like, they, they ain't no sleep in either one of our households. Uh, that is for sure. Before we get into everything, got to thank our friends over at Bet Online. BetOnline.ag uh, is your number one source for all of your basketball information stats news analysis get the latest odds news and everything uh for the nba playoffs which are underway big win for your lakers last night sp3 you were sweating though weren't you you were sweating that was a was, little bit of a ticky tack foul at the end no no one no one no one you know can't can't let me go to sleep early you gotta go into overtime <laughs> during the freaking play-in nothing has come easy to my los angeles lakers just glad we have a playoff spot Got a chance against, you know, John Moran and the Memphis Grizzlies until, mm. unless John Moran pulls up with the crew and got the gats on him. I mean, Memphis is an interesting team. Like, they're one of those teams that I keep waiting for them to take the next step, and then they never do. Uh, so it's going to be a, an interesting uh, interesting series there. Get all the latest information, scores, news, podcasts, everything you need to know about the Lakers and everybody else who's in uh, the NBA playoffs, although you wouldn't realize there's more teams in the playoffs if you just watch ESPN. Regardless, Bet Online is the place where you need to go. Always fastest and easiest way to get your information. Go to the website or use your mobile device. To get in on the action, just use our promo code BELIEVE, that is B-L-E-A-V, to get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. SP3, let's just go ahead and and, and get the, arguably, I'd say, the most controversial decision uh, this week out of the way early. Our lead story this week, after Raquel Rodriguez and Liv Morgan won the women's tag team titles on Raw this week clean, Clean as a sheet, SP3. Liv Morgan, who's had a hell of a year, pins Trish Stratus on Monday Night Raw to win the tag team titles. Now, if you didn't see the show and you're wondering how the hell does that make sense, I thought Lita and Becky were the tag team champs. Well, Lita gets attacked prior to the show. Head injury taken to a local medical facility, SP3. Yeah, Vince definitely has some influence on these shows. There's, there's no question about it. But taken to a local medical facility, and Trish Stratus decides, you know what? With the approval of Adam Pierce, I'm going to step up. I'm going to help my girl Becky Lynch retain these tag team championships. They did not. They lose clean as a sheet. Good win for Liv and, and Raquel. I actually think they are a really, really fun tag team. You can tell they're putting in the work as far as everything from their uh, double team moves to their entrance uh, to their to their entrances and their gear. They're putting in the work to become a legitimate tag team. This was Liv Morgan's 12th attempt at winning the tag team titles with her sixth different partner. So I'm glad it finally happened for her. So I got nothing but love for, for Liv and Raquel. Great win. I'm happy it wasn't some bullshit, and I'm happy they won clean. That aside, SP3, after the match is over, now remember, it's Trish who got beat. She got rolled up. 
pinned clean as a sheet. Becky Lynch comes in, puts her arm around her, says it's okay. You know, you're still the goat. Everything's all right. Becky goes to walk away and Trish whoops her ass. Now, um, two things come out immediately from this SP3 because it's been rumored for a while that Trish is going to be turning heel. I got no problems with that. We all know how good of a heel Trish is. Wants to work a program with Becky Lynch. I ain't got no problem with that either. Two things jump out here. One, I think they jumped the gun a little bit because Wrestling Observer says that this match is still going to go on at SummerSlam. SummerSlam. April 10th, they do the heel turn to build toward a match at SummerSlam, which is at beginning of August. What is it? Yep. August 5th? I think uh, it is. Yeah. Yeah. August 5th. So might have jumped the gun a little bit here. So you better have a ton of compelling story. I'm not saying that Trish and, and Becky can't do it, but I'm just saying I've seen the last two major women's title programs that you've had and the builds and the story that you put in there. And I have my doubts that you have four months worth of stuff put in place for these ladies. So feel like they jumped the gun. And two, SP3, what is the story? Because I, I'll let you say what you, you got to say, because I have only one thing to me that makes any amount of sense. But I can't. No, what makes sense? Because none of this makes sense to me. Because, because look, I feel I feel like most fans that I've talked to since Monday have been just taking their own storyline beats out of thin air. Just yeah. because the report happened with work wrestling in March that said, oh, Trish, what is they're going to turn Trish heel and she's going to feud with Becky Lynch. I feel like fans have been trying to put their own storyline, but anything we've made on screen, it makes absolutely no sense for Trish Stratus to turn heel the way that she did. Yeah, so, right. I, I can't imagine that Trish would have been the one to attack Lita, right? Trish attacked Becky after the match. I cannot believe she's the one who attacked Lita because that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Why would Trish have come into the equation, helped Lita and, and, and Becky win the tag team titles, make the challenge for WrestleMania, wrestle the entire match, get the dub, then to come out of that, attack Lita, take her place, wrestle the entire match, not throw it, she Lose even tried to get clean. pins when she wasn't the legal person. Yeah. <laughs> like, there, I, there were some fun moments in that match, but it, it, was, it was a little sloppy, but I still enjoyed it. The crowd was into it. Got some This Is Awesome chance, right? But goes through the entire match, doesn't throw it, doesn't attack Be Becky, doesn't pull the Brock Lesnar before the bell and take her out and cost them the titles. None of that. Loses clean and then beats up Becky. So I can't imagine she's the same person that, that attacked Lita. So that that's a question mark. For me, the only thing that I can think that makes any kind of sense, SP3, unless I'm misremembering something from when these two, um, you know, during Becky's heel run, when, when these two interacted during Becky's heel run, unless there's something that I'm forgetting that happened back then, the only thing I can think of is this. And this might just be me pulling straws, pulling at straws too. But for the better part of the last seven years, SP3, Trish Stratus has had to sit back and hear what? That this crop of women's talent is the best that WWE has ever had. Nobody can match the glass ceilings that have been shattered by Charlotte and Becky and Sasha and Bailey and now Bianca's into the fold. And she's had to sit back 
and hear about how great all these women are and how much so much better it is now than it was then. And now all of a sudden, Trish, who in real life can still go, like she's still good. She's still got it. But if you look at her win-loss record, granted, it's only a small sample size, all of a sudden she can't win matches on her own now. She wasn't able to beat Charlotte. Yeah, she won at WrestleMania, but it was Becky who got the win. And now she steps in to come in and be the hero, and she loses the tag team titles. And now, after the match is over, she's got Becky on her shoulder saying, it's okay, it's all right, you know, you're still the GOAT, everything's fine, you know, no big deal, shake this one off. Trying to, you know, give her the, you know, you you got it, you're all right, being the consoling mother figure. And, and finally, Trish is just like, Screw this. Screw this. Screw you. I'm still who the hell I say I am. And she's starting to have these self-doubts and got pissed off and took it out on Becky in the moment. And this is going to be a build towards something else. That is literally all I can think of that makes any sense whatsoever. And I hope is kind of the story here. That's all I've been able to come up with in the last few days. So I just want to say, Rick Cuccino, you're very talented at what you do. You do radio. You do, you know, wrestling interviews, your interviews from WrestleMania week. You see amazing. what he's doing here, folks, is he's buttering um, me up because he's about your, to just blast. Your, your writing is is, is 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 tremendous. Go check out his articles at cagesideseats.com. But my Lord, was that a lot of reaching. That was the biggest stretch. That was Michael Jordan at the end of Space Dance. <laughs> amount of stretching that you did to make this make sense and it still don't make sense because all of those feelings she would have had before she came back and helped these two win the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships before she made the challenge for Wrestlemania before she wrestled a whole match at Wrestlemania and won before she didn't win though Becky won they won. They won. They won. Man. Stop it. They won. They, she ain't won a one-on-one match in years. Years. Oh, oh, yeah. And that's supposed to be the big thing. The only way they could have made any type of sense is if Becky had lost that match. That's the yeah. only way that, yeah. that Trish attacked Lita because she wanted to be the WWE Women's Tag, tag Team Champion. Maybe it would have even made more sense if she attacks Becky and she wants to be a woman's tag team champion with her best friend Lita. Lita then sure. it makes then it makes a sure. whole bunch of sense. But nothing. This was on an episode of Raw, which was like a night and day, the juxtaposition to the Raw after WrestleMania. Uh last I'm glad week. that's a thing now. I'm yes, the, <laughs> the Raw after WrestleMania last week. This Raw was really well done. I liked so much stuff on this show. Balor banged up, having a good match with Rey Mysterio to start the show. Continuing the whole Rey and Dominic thing. Uh, Usos versus Alpha Academy with a brilliant tag team matchup. A banger of a tag team matchup. Positioning Alpha Academy as the babyface and the crowd actually getting behind them. And a cool finish. The the, the Bobby Lashley and Bronson Reed of big beefy men slapping so good and and the and the perfect finish sometimes a draw is the perfect finish for they did, a they did more for bronson reed in one night than they've done since he came back 
the, the main event with Solo Sokoa and, and Kevin Owens. Yes, it's the third time in five weeks we've seen that match, but I think that's the best match that they had together with a lot of psychology, with Kevin Owens selling the knee, and then the ending with Sami Zayn and, and Matt Riddle feeling like they just came out the airplane and got from the airport and arrived at the and arrived at because they did and arrived at the <laughs> villa to make the save. Cody Rhodes with a great promo yep. that sold that Brock Lesnar matchup. There was so many things to like on Monday Night Raw. And I hated this. I hated this with a passion because they did absolutely nothing to set this up before. They they had multiple opportunities to, to, to set this up. The other thing I like was the damage control the tension. I like the tension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get damage. there. We'll we'll then damage control. We're going to talk about that. I like so much about this show. I hated this. This felt like, you know how, how delicious a Thanksgiving meal is? You know, sure, on that yeah. Thursday on Thanksgiving, Depends and even on the chef, but yeah, and, and, and even the, the next day, the Friday, the Friday when you when you warm up those, it still got that taste to it. This felt like Saturday Thanksgiving leftovers when there's only a little bit left. There's only a little piece of turkey left. There's only a small portion of the stuffing left. There's only a small portion of the yams, the, the sweet there's, potato there left. There's nothing you, sadder than three-day-old green, green bean casserole. And you microwave it. This was microwave booking. This was microwave booking. This wasn't even Thanksgiving warm-up food. This was This was a frozen dinner that you warmed up and you didn't even finish the whole thing and then you put it back in the in the microwave mm. afterward this was that type of booking where i was just like what were they doing to not set this up they could have set this up in the interview last week they could have set this up in trish first promo when she's talking about yeah i helped you oh i always she could have just made a small line like i always wished you know me and lita could have been tag team champions but yeah, i'm glad to see my friend helped. i'm glad to see my friend win the gold with becky just that small little line that would have took one extra second in but that the first most promo that would have been the setup for all of this and they did nothing the only thing that we got that even hinted that Trish was going to turn heels when she left Byron Saxton hanging. That was it. Like, that was it. And most people leave Byron Saxton hanging. Even the baby exactly. faces leave hang exactly. Byron that Saxton her, hanging. That made her a baby face to me. I don't know if that was, <laughs> if it was that supposed to be. Uh, poor Byron. Poor Byron. I don't know. Like I said, that's the only thing, the only theory that I can think of that makes any kind of sense. And I didn't even say it was a good one. I'm just saying that's the only story that makes sense. I cannot imagine she's the one that attacked Lita. That would have made no sense, whatever. That That's some Robert, Roger Rabbit-level thinking if she attacked Lita to protect her from this tag team match or some bullshit like that. I don't know. Um, I, I will say this. I'm very interested to find out what she's got to say the next time that we see her, and I really, really hope. Look, these two are talented. We know they are. You got a Hall of Famer and a certified first ballot Hall of Famer, two of the better storytellers in women's wrestling history. If anybody can carry a program for four months, it's these two. But it's off to a bit of a rocky start because we don't know what the story is. We don't know what the motivation is. Now, that was either done on purpose to get us to tune in next week, or Trish went catatonic when she was asked about it backstage because WWE doesn't even know what the freaking motivation of this was. It just, it feels rushed 
it felt like they they could have done this. You still could have booked Liv and Raquel to win the tag team titles. That was fine. I had no problem with that. None whatsoever. You yeah, knew- mind you, anything I've just said, it was not criticism of Liv no. and Raquel winning the tag team, tag team titles. Like there was just so many points that this could have made sense. You could have had Becky take the fall in the tag team matchup. And then Trish turning on her makes sense. It makes sense. You, yeah. I'm pissed off. I had this old plan to attack my best friend and be a, a, a woman's tag team champion. And you ruined it on the first opportunity. Boom. I'm attack you. That makes sense. Um, the one little line that she could have added to her original promo. That makes sense. Um, you, oh, I, I, where were you guys when I got jumped by damage control in the lead up to WrestleMania? That makes sense. Nothing was done to make this make sense. And that's my issue. And this is one where the Triple H defense attorneys, they can't blame Vince (laughs) McMahon for this one, I guess. I don't know. You could blame them. I know you're going to blame them anyway. But yeah, it was Triple H. Triple H was there. Vince Vince made his changes remotely. But Triple H could have made a change and been like, you know what? I, I know Vince wants to do this, but let me add this to make it make sense. And he didn't do any of it. Yeah. And like I said, I'm I'm intrigued to see what they're going to do, but nothing makes sense based off of all of this. And the question is, if Trish didn't attack Lita, because that makes no sense in any way you look at it, who did uh, attack Lita? Or will we ever even find out? Will we see Lita on television again? You always knew Becky and Lita's run was going to be short because Lita's not a full-time performer anymore. I don't know, man. It's going to be interesting. Um, while we're waiting until SummerSlam for that match, SP3, one match we're going to get a lot sooner than I anticipated. And honestly, I think a lot of people uh, anticipated when Brock Lesnar decimated Cody Rhodes to end WrestleMania Monday. Um, we all thought, you know, looking ahead a little bit, right? Brock doesn't always work consecutive pay-per-views, thinking maybe Saudi Arabia would be a good spot to have that match. Saudi always likes to book Brock Lesnar. So if he's going to be at King of the Ring on the 27th of May, that means he's going to work three straight premium live events. Not something he typically does. He's going to want to get that Saudi pay, pay-per-view money, and he's going to be at SummerSlam as well. We, we know that. Um, Cody Rhodes, though, challenged him to a match at WrestleMania. Thank God that was just a slip on his part. Backlash in Puerto Rico coming up here on May 6th, I do believe it is. So, I'm, I'm, look, I'm all down for this match, 100%. I'm a little surprised that we're getting it at Backlash, but you know what? I like it. I like it because if one thing has been true under the Triple H regime, he goes out of his way to make sure there are no throwaway premium live events. Like, there, there isn't those, eh, I can kind of skip those. He's going to put something on these cards to make you go, okay, I got to tune in and watch that. Yeah, I mean, every, you know, we had SummerSlam with damage control, the whole big Brock and Roman spectacle uh, at SummerSlam last year. That was his first pay-per-view a week after Vince departed. You had Clash at the Castle with the one of the greatest matches in WWE history, in my opinion, with Sheamus and Gunther, the, the Drew in the main event against Roman. You had Extreme Rules with the return of Bray Wyatt. You had... uh 
you know, Survivor Series War Games, the return of War Games, the big moment with Sami Zayn, Becky Lynch returning just before then. Uh, you had Raw Rumble with the big bloodline angle at the end, one of the best endings to a pay-per-view. You had Elimination Chamber, the Sami Zayn show with Sami Zayn getting his shot at, at the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship, one of the best chamber matches with that bench chamber for the U.S. title, WrestleMania uh, Night 1, one of the best WrestleMania events ever, WrestleMania with, uh, you know, a great Intercontinental Championship matchup and the main event with Cody letting all his fans down. And now you got, you know, Puerto Rico, you got Bad Bunny hosting and probably in a tag team matchup with Rey Mysterio against Dominic and Damian. And now you got Brock Lesnar and Cody Rose probably as the one, the one a main event. That's probably going to be the main event of the show to go along with, uh, you know, the bunny tag team match and probably uh, the sequel to the PWG style six man tag that we saw last year with Riddle teaming up with Sammy and Kevin to verse the Usos and Solo. So that's the three big matches for, for WrestleMania Backlash. Brock Lesnar wanted to take a vacation to Puerto Rico. Makes <laughs> some sense to me. And he get, he's probably going to get a big payday for being on this card as well. And I know when Vizic Man sat in that chair on the Raw after WrestleMania, Brock was like, you know what? I, th I was thinking about leaving. I'll stay for a little while. I'll stay for a little while. You want me to help out? You want me to help out Cody? Give him a feud? Give him something to overcome? I can see that. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm down for this. This works for me. And this Brock being on the show when Roman isn't makes some sense. So you still have that star tour. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. Now the interesting thing to me is how this match gets booked, right? Because Cody just lost his first match period and now it's the climb to get back to roman reigns so you would naturally assume that you know giving him a big win over brock lesnar would be a great way to bounce back and it would be a quick way to fast track him towards a title shot like you believe is going to happen at SummerSlam. now we're getting at least some rumblings now there have been some conflicting reports on this but i don't necessarily trust the conflicting reports and where they're coming from so there's been at least some rumblings that lesnar could be facing Gunther at SummerSlam. Now, we've already seen Lesnar lose definitively to Roman Reigns multiple times. He has not been able to defeat uh, Bobby Lashley uh, definitively in, in their big feud. So all of a sudden, the big un unbeatable Hoss is showing you know chinks in the armor here a little bit. Wouldn't you want to heat Brock back up a little bit more than just a win over Omos? Give him a win over Cody, maybe give him another win at rest at uh, in Saudi Arabia, King of the Ring, and then have him go in hot against Gunther. I'm I'm afraid if you give him too many losses, that's that win for Gunther, which should be a win over Brock Lesnar, isn't going to mean as much. So maybe I'm over analyzing it here, but it is interesting to see where they go, whether they give Cody the win or they give Brock the win. Yeah, I mean, if if this is a two-match set in the month of May of Cody versus Brock at Backlash and then Cody versus Brock at King of the Ring, because you would assume Brock's going to want that Saudi payday, <laughs> I would say that Brock wins at Backlash and then loses at King of the Ring. So, 
I don't I don't see a world where they would have Cody beat Brock back to back on back to back shows like that. Like no one except for Roman Reigns has ever done that in recent memory. Uh, but I, I don't know if SummerSlam is the time to do Gunther versus Brock. I feel like if you wait a year, I think that would be better. WrestleMania, WrestleMania 40 in Philly do Brock and Gunther there instead of SummerSlam where, you know, people are saying, oh, yeah, it's going to be Gunther versus Brock for the Intercontinental Championship. And this is the same thing I said before WrestleMania when we were talking about this, Rick. I was like, I don't see Brock Lesnar competing for no Intercontinental Championship. He's going to be like, he's going to scoff at that. I didn't even want to win that when I was a rookie. Why would I want to do that now? <laughs> I was going to say, he bypassed all that mid-card bullshit. Like, never, never, ever, ever, ever. Um, Yeah, man, I think the story for, for Gunther at SummerSlam is going to be, hey, if I win here, I'm probably breaking Honky Tonk Man's record, right? Like, because it's going to be shortly after SummerSlam that he'll break Honky Tonk Man's record. So there, there's already a built-in story there. I don't think, I don't necessarily think it's the time for for Brock Lesnar either. That's a WrestleMania match to me. Continue to build Gunther up as this unstoppable freaking force. Get the IC title off of him late this year at this point cuz I wanted Sheamus to win at WrestleMania, but at this point, yeah, break Honky Tonk Man's record. We're all about lengthy historic title reigns these days. Let this man break Honky Tonk Man's record. Then he can lose it in a multi-man match, like a ladder match or a triple threat where somebody else can get beat and you can continue to build this man up and get him in either a world title program, have him be the world champion by WrestleMania next year if there's two of them, right? Which is something we'll bring up here in a little bit. Uh, And and then have him face Brock Lesnar in Philadelphia. September 4th, I believe, is the date I was given. September 4th is when Brock, I mean, when Gunther would become the the longest reigning, the longest reigning intercontinental champion. And I know by, you know, the six man tag on SmackDown this week, a lot of people are saying Sheamus looks like he's going to get another shot. I would save the Sheamus Gunther match for Clash at the Castle too, because (laughs) that's the same weekend he would hit the longest reigning. You do it again at Clash of the Castle, run it back. And it it could be Sheamus stopping him from winning the longest rating or him beating Sheamus again and becoming the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion. At some point, though, can we find a way to get them both? Can we have Gunther get the damn record at this point? Because I agree with you. That's that's a record that should be broken at this point. And get Sheamus his title win some point this year. Sheamus at some point needs to win the Intercontinental Championship. I like it when it's important to somebody. But it's really important to somebody because very rarely do, you know, people hold up the United States and the Intercontinental title as important anymore when it's important to them. That's why I love that WrestleMania match so much is Gunther, Sheamus and Drew McIntyre beating the shit out of each other for the Intercontinental Championship. It makes it feel important. So that's why I was so happy when Xavier Woods won King of the Ring, even though they took it away from him like three months later. I was so damn happy because it's something that he's always wanted. Sheamus wants this. I want him to get it at some point. But let's get Gunther the ring first. All right, we teased it earlier. We have uh, two big updates today on Mr. CM Punk, who has not been seen since the brawl out at All Out after the uh, press conference in uh, Chicago, Illinois, or Schaumburg, technically. Now, he did tear a tricep in that match, so he's been was going to be MIA regardless of what happened after that. Now we're getting around the time where he's, he's a bit healthy. 
should be ready to go, if not already here soon. And now you got Dax Harwood coming out on his podcast today saying that here's a headline for you. CM Punk misses wrestling. He wants to come back. He wants to be in AEW. Then we get an update from Fightful about an hour before we went on the air here, SP3, that not only is it true, not only does CM Punk want to come back, but he has actually expressed his willingness to work with Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks on television. Phil Brooks is a very smart man here, SP3. He knows that his window to be a full-time active competitive wrestler is very, very quickly shrinking, and he also sees dollar signs. If Phil Brooks is willing to squash whatever went down and work for the love of money. And I know FTR is, is pushing that they want this big six-man tag match so they can try and pack Wembley Stadium. CM Punk and FTR versus the Elite at All In. Uh, I forget which date that, that's going to be. It's in August, right, I believe? August 27th. There you go, August 27th. Um, man, that would help fill 90,000 seats. We'll talk about the Wembley Stadium show coming up here soon. But... Man, if he's willing to squash it so far, Fightful says in their report that they have not, um, the elite, I mean, have not shown the willingness to work with Punk yet. But I feel like if CM Punk is there, and maybe, depending on contract situations here, SP3, maybe the elite could get there too, and we might be able to come to an amplical situation here. I mean, the 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 real side of this that was kind of this passed over was uh, the elite seems to be working towards getting re-signed. I know Conan went out on his podcast and said that Kenny Omega couldn't be on this Sunday's Triple A, uh, Triple Mania first of their three shows this year for Triple Mania 31 because he is currently working on getting re-signed by AEW. Yeah. And that was kind of a passing line in this broader or this broader report on CM Punk that AEW is working towards re-signing the elite. I think when you sit down with them to re-sign, this has to, you know, be a part of the discussion because this is such a big matchup. There's no bigger matchup that AEW can do right now than CM Punk mixing it up with the elite because of yeah. what happened in real life. And I kind of agree with what A-Shock is saying in the chat. I think Kenny Omega hasn't shown that he is really have any animosity towards CM Punk, but also Kenny Omega is more of a guy that's like, you know, it's a group decision, majority rules. And I feel like the, the young bucks is the, the hurdle that they have to get across. I don't think the young bucks are too keen sure. to working with CM Punk because of everything that went down. But I mean, of course, I think it's a smart move by CM Punk expressing that he is willing to work with the elite because there's no bigger money matchup for AEW, no bigger money matchup left for CM Punk than him working with the elite and having a match against Kenny Omega one-on-one -on -one and having this six-man, this trios matchup with FTR against the elite. I think that is the type of matchup. I totally agree with Dax Harwood or as the wrestling Twitter has called him or coined him, FTR bald uh i think that it's 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 a smart move by him to mention that, that i agree with him this is the biggest matchup that could fill ninety thousand seats you just put up a graphic of cm ftr versus the elite and you might get Fun. close to ninety thousand in there to see this matchup a lot of people want to see this matchup very badly this is the type of matchup that could fill that 90 seat arena but it also is on account of cm punk if you're wanting to come back 
Like I've said before, I said after the IG post, it's all about how he addresses things publicly. Because everything that we know about this situation, we don't know what went down in the locker room yep. at Brawl Out. We don't know how AEW dealt with Hangman Adam Page saying something that CM Punk didn't agree with in the build-up to their matchup. We don't know everything that's went down since CM Punk left backstage. The things we do know is the stuff that CM Punk has made public, has made public information and put it out into the forefront. And CM Punk said it himself when he called out Hangman Adam Page after his return last August. The, the apology has to be as loud as the insult. So you are the one that made this all uh, public. You also need to make public directly from you, whether it's a press conference, whether it's an IG post, however you want to address it, you have to take some accountability for what you have done wrong with this whole situation. And I think that will make the waters a lot less rocky for you to make your return to AEW. Uh, Chris Haley saying in the chat, even with CM Punk, uh, not their issues still keep growing inside of the backstage in AEW. Look, rumors are rumors, but I'll, I'll tell you this much, man. There is AEW is no different than any other company. They're not. WWE has issues backstage, I guarantee you. The only thing that makes AEW different is that they have had two very high-profile blow-ups that have created multiple headlines. Because, look, CM Punk went out and said what he said at the press conference, and then a fight broke out. I mean, that was headlines for weeks. We, we on the build-up to WrestleMania, we, we get a conversation from Rollins and, and Cody Rhodes about how they almost got into a fight backstage, and it gets brushed over completely. Barely even a little blip, little blip on the news headlines. We didn't even talk about it on this show, SP3. These are highly, highly competitive people in these industries. Like, you don't think Seth Rollins, who we'll talk about here very, very soon, is not frustrated and pissed off with his position watching Cody Rhodes, the enemy of WWE getting the main event of WrestleMania 39. Of course he's pissed off. There are going to be issues backstage. AEW is no different, but I'll tell you what, if it was such, if it was so bad in AEW, would FTR have re-signed? Would Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks be on the verge of potentially re-signing with the company? Boy, Vince coming back at the, at this time. Hmm. We'll talk about it. I keep saying, I'm, I like teasing you guys. I like keeping you guys hanging on, but we'll definitely uh, talk about that coming up here soon. But Vince coming back may have been at the absolute wrong time when it comes to some big, high-profile free agents to be, including one. And, and mind you, mind you, though, I know we're about to talk about it, but I ain't believe nothing that Dax Harwood was saying on his podcast. I think he'd been resigned for a minute, y'all. I, oh, yeah. I don't think Tony Khan is going to give a guy who's got four months left on his contract, two guys got four months left on their contract, I'm going to give them two and a half months off and not have a deal in place. So I think that all of this that about Vince McMahon and people thinking, oh, Vince just came back. I think that this has been writing on the wall since December when he first sent that letter in. Yeah. And I think that's when FTR made yeah, I wasn't decision. talking about FTR because I agree with you. I think they've been re-signed for a while. I'm talking about other people, yeah. which we'll dive into. But yeah, and that was the final headline is there. Eight, uh, FTR has announced that they have re-signed with AEW. I think that is a, a good move for them. That's a good move for wrestling fans. And they're now the tag team champions again, so we can be 
Uh, very, very happy about that. Again, good week for Tony Khan. Uh, and it, it could potentially get even better coming up here soon. I agree with what you said earlier. It feels like with, you know, the wholesale finally going down and Visic Man, you know, having more input, more public input, because I think he's had input for a while now. Sure. Um, having more public input into creative has turned the pendulum a little bit coming off of, you know, WrestleMania. And, and I felt the momentum swing happening just before WrestleMania when more people were coming out. And like I was, like I said, on I think on the last episode, more people were jumping on my, my bandwagon of Triple H is not the greatest uh, booker. And more people were being critical of that. I felt the the pendulum swing happening and i know steven chambers just put in the chat because you also got brian cage re-signing yep. sky blue officially signing nigel mcginnis coming into the company yep. who got let go by wwe billy starks just 18 years old shout um, out to adam hopkins by the way 20 adam hopkins 25 year vet of wwe pr that he was their vice president of communications shockingly released ahead of the royal rumble why on God's green earth? I love everybody over at, at WWE PR. They have helped me immensely over the last five years. Adam being one of the, the, the biggest helps on this planet. Consummate professional. Why they decided to get rid of their VP of communications a week before WrestleMania season was mind-boggling to me. Very happy he landed on his feet. He's back with AEW now uh, in their PR team. When it comes to large-scale events, when it comes to production, when it comes to legacy longevity, AEW will never be able to compete with WWE. What I always have said, and I've said this even with, you know, I've had done podcasts like, you know, with Dutch Mantel, and he's always like, oh, I don't think anyone in WWE feels like AEW's competition. I always, I always cut him off. That's the one thing I always disagree with him about. Because I'm like, no, they definitely do. Because in when it comes to free agency, Free agency is where AEW is the biggest competitor for WWE because now there is a tangible option yes. for people who are feeling frustrated with WWE, who are not liking their position in the backstage area, who is not liking their money, who is not liking their creative. They have another option, and that has caused people to get big paydays in WWE or to make the decision to just leave, like an Adam Cole, like a Brian Danielson. This stuff happens, and that is the main place where aew is the biggest competitor for wwe they will never compete with them when it comes to production they will never compete with them for the big stadium shows like we just saw at wrestlemania even though they're gonna try come august 27th yeah. but when it comes to free agency and it, when it really comes to tv rights i think that's we're gonna see that in the next couple of months that's where aew is the competitor to wwe Appreciate everybody who's in the chat right now. Do me a favor. Go ahead and hit that thumbs up button here on the show. If you're new to the program, you like what you hear, go ahead and, and pound that subscribe button as well. Going to have a lot of good stuff uh, coming out here uh, in the coming weeks for my trip to Los Angeles for WrestleMania 39. I've already dropped a few interviews already. Rhea Ripley is up right now. Natalia is up right now. Uh, man, I dropped a bunch of them. I can't remember the first one that I dropped. Oh, yeah. Uh, Braun Strowman and Ricochet. Really, really good stuff from Braun Strowman. Uh, 
wonderful personality in person. I wish they'd let him show that off more on camera. Uh, and then just yesterday, I dropped my conversation with uh, Isla Dawn and Alba Fire, or Donna Fire, as SP3 likes to call him. That's a great nickname. Um, I, I think they call him, what, the Unholy Union or something like that on, on NXT. Donna Fire is so much better. Like, seriously, ad adopt that. But the new NXT Women's Tag Team Champions, uh, who are just lovely to talk to, that conversation's up uh, right now. Just go down to the exclusive interviews tab here after our show is over and, and watch as, as much as you like. Uh, honestly, we've got interviews dating all the way back to when we started this show, January of 2021, all the way dating back to Kofi Kingston when he was the first one who came on our program. So appreciate the support. Let's dive into this now, shall we, SP3? It's time to answer the five count on the Believe Podcast Network. All right, for those of you who are new to the show and just hammered that subscribe button, thank you so much. Uh, what we do every single week is we like to dive into the five count, the five biggest questions, or at least what we think are five big questions facing the wrestling world. And I want to give some love this week, SP3, to our boy Phil Lindsay, who has been on this show before of Grapsity fame over on uh, Fightful uh fightful's youtube page or fightful overbooked which one is that one on fightful. it's on fightful yep very very popular show with will washington and righteous reg great show highly suggest you check that out uh phil also writes uh for bleacher report and he had a great write-up this week about one seth freaking rollins and the title was simply wwe has a seth rollins problem and i'm not going to dive into a lot of the the passages and, and read it out to you because i want you guys to go check it out it's up on bleacherreport.com right now um but basically you know i'm trying to paraphrase this here phil's thought process on seth rollins has been for the last for quite a while now he's been one of wwe's most over superstars in the company you got fans who will constantly sing his song he's been doing for the last several years he's been doing the job man like wrestlemania's he lost three in a row lost to cesaro lost to cody um the other lost to edge right was that at wrestlemania as well or uh, kevin owens kevin owens excuse me yeah so he lost to owens he lost to cesaro he lost to uh cody rhodes all of those make sense finally gets the win over logan paul um but this is a guy who according to phil it seems like he has reached a bit of a ceiling in wwe where the fact that He's one of your most over guys, but with the fact that you've had the rise of Sammy and you've had the rise of Cody and Roman continuing his dominance the way that he has done for the last three years, they don't really have anywhere to go with Seth Rollins at this point, a guy who should be one of your most prominent stars. So SP3, if I sum that up correctly, which I believe I did, I read the article a couple of days ago, I'll ask you, does WWE have a Seth Rollins problem? No, it's if you ask me this question in reverse, does Seth Rollins have a WWE problem? Oh, hell yeah, he does. <laughs> That's the problem. That's been the problem since 2019 when everybody thought he had peaked in his popularity and he beat Brock yep. Lesnar at, for the Universal Championship at WrestleMania, had the great feud with Brock Lesnar, and Brock put him over again at SummerSlam. He was at the peak of his powers, and he then was. he went on Twitter, had a little Twitter exchange with Will Ospreay, and yep. was waving the WWE flag. He was the consummate, uh, you know, company man, and he addressed this in his interview with Daniel Cormier during WrestleMania 39 week, that he's vouched for the company. He's been mm -hmm. there. He's been the guy. When people are injured, when people want a part-time schedule, he's always been there. He's their workhorse. 
But it comes to a point that you got to think that maybe you're just the new Dean Ambrose. Maybe you're just the new Brian Danielson. You're just the guy who they can always rely on and that you're going to be put in a prominent position, but you're not going to have that top position. I don't think you'll ever have that top position in WWE. And the only way that you can elevate yourself to the next level is to leave. So that is why I say that Seth Rollins has a WWE problem. He's in the same position, if you don't want to say the Dean Ambrose and the Daniel Bryans of the world, he's in the same position that Randy Orton was in for a long while, where there was always John Cena. No matter how great Randy Orton was, no matter if he's the best heel in the business, whether he was the best babyface and getting the biggest reaction, he would never be John Cena. Whether he's the new CM Punk, when DM Punk was hotter than ever, there was always a John Cena to keep him in that number two position. That's where that's where Seth Rollins is because Roman Reigns, regardless of part-time schedule, full-time schedule, Universal Champion, WWE Champion, Undisputed Universal Champion, whatever title you give him, he's always going to have that top position. So Seth Rollins, the all, the best he can do is be number two. Yeah, I think. I have to agree with you, and and I, I I love Phil's article, and I see his point. Seth Rollins is one of the most talented professional wrestlers on this planet, and look, looking at it from Rollins' point of view, it makes me think more of your side of things, that Rollins has a WWE issue right now, because if you look at it, he's been putting in the work. He's done everything that this company has asked him to do. He has rode Tidal wave after tidal wave. Remember how they just absolutely tanked him after his uh, feud with the fiend. And then he was able to rebuild himself after that. I watched this man pull off a miracle in a match where he was heavily booed against Brock Lesnar. And then by the end of it was getting a standing ovation. I have watched this man pull miracle after miracle after miracle out of his ass while constantly waving the flag. <laughs> as SP3 gets a run in here, constantly waving the flag for this company. The closest that we have ever come to hearing this man dump on his employer was ahead of WrestleMania where he started talking about some frustrations with Cody Rhodes being in the main event. And he bit his tongue hard, man, because we know if it's, if it's outside the company, he's got no problem letting it fly. But when it comes to Cody Rhodes getting the main event, which I don't, I don't disagree with Cody getting the main event this year. I felt like it was his year. You know, like... He, he bit his tongue, but you could still, you could see the frustration building within him. And I think his biggest problem is the fact that Vince McMahon on a whim decided to merge the world titles last year. Seth Rollins, maybe more than anybody else in this company, has been bit in the ass by the fact that there's now only one world champion and they want Roman Reigns to go on this massive, dominant, record-breaking run. And Phil said it in his article. Roman Reigns' ascension and his reign of terror, one of the casualties of that is the fact that the tribal chief has cast a major shadow over his good buddy and has kept him down. He is the Shawn Michaels of his era, has never really ascended to being that top guy. I think if there were two world titles, Seth Rollins would probably be holding one of them. Maybe not. I think maybe Cody Rhodes would have beat Seth Rollins for the world title at WrestleMania in the main event of night one. And Rollins would have had his main event if he counts the night one main event as actually main eventing. 
I don't know what that is in his book, but he wants to be the guy. He wants to be the guy in the marquee, and he feels like he's earned it. And the argument can be made that he has. He has. Absolutely has. Unfortunately, he's not for a variety of different reasons. I do think that WWE has a problem with Seth Rollins and the fact of where do you go with him from here? What do you do with him? Do you put him back in the United States title picture? God, I hope not. Do you shake him up and you work him against Gunther? Is he the guy who beats Gunther for the Intercontinental title? I, th- I think does he win right- King of the Ring. Does he win Money in the Bank? What does he do? What do you do with him? I think the right role for him right now would to be the, sorry to say, the placeholder opponent for Roman in between the next Um, shot for Cody. I think Cody is the guy that they're building the chase to to dethrone Roman Reigns. But you have big shows in Saudi uh, in May. You have a big show in the UK for Money in the Bank. That's two spots that. You can do a Seth Rollins view. Seth Rollins is still can claim that he's the only guy that Roman ha- has faced that d- he didn't defeat during this whole 950. There's one other. Reign. There's one other. Xavier Woods, but we're not allowed to talk. About I mean, him. he didn't face him one on one. It's a tag team match, and I know, I know Xavier. He had fun in that interview claiming that, but it was a tag team match, my bro. Oh well, I think it was a no, it was a singles match on SmackDown, but it wasn't for the championship. I'm yeah, talking about it, championship, it, 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 match, it, 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 like a no contest or some shit like that. Yeah, it was a DQ. I think it was a DQ yeah, win for Xavier, but that wasn't a championship matchup. This was a championship match, and Roman got disqualified at the Raw Rumble 2022. They need to run that back, and they have two huge opportunities between now and SummerSlam. Yeah, and I really think Seth Rollins is kind of like, I got back to what Paul Heyman said during the post-press conference, like, what a murderer's row of people that the Tribal Chief has put down. I'm like, there's one name missing. I think Seth Rollins is like the final Infinity Stone that Roman needs to put on his gauntlet because Rollins does own him, and they need to finish that story at some point, or Rollins needs to be the guy. Uh, that beats him. Chris asking, what if Seth leaves WWE? Well, if he leaves WWE, he's retiring, I think. Unless you back up the Brinks truck for him to go to AEW or somebody else like that, I do think he's he's he owns a coffee shop in, in is it Des Moines or Davenport, whichever city in Iowa that he lives in. He owns a coffee shop. He's got his wrestling school there. Becky's going to make a ton of money in Hollywood. They got the kids. I don't see Seth Rollins ever wrestling for any company that is not WWE. He's too much of a company guy. I think even more than someone like Drew McIntyre, who there's reports that he's frustrated with money and creative. Uh, And I was like, oh, he's a company guy. He'll probably resign even more than him. Seth Rollins is a company guy. And I think he's sticking with the company, regardless of frustrated with his spot. He is. Yeah, absolutely. I think the Drew stuff is interesting, but I think it's getting hyped up more. The fact that he's been sick and he's been hurt and now he's off television and he got pulled from an event. And now people are trying to put all those things together. Fifle says that man's got nine months left on his contract. He's not showing up at all in the, I, I would be stunned that again, I said the same thing about Cody going to WWE. I would be surprised stunned if drew McIntyre ended up leaving uh, WWE at some point. Uh, SP three. One of the things that we both liked about Monday night raw this week was, was the tension that we saw between damage control bailey coming out after a meeting with adam pierce saying hey i tried to get you guys a tag team title shot he said it's not in the works but they're gonna put me in this number one contenders match uh and you know i'm gonna be able to go you know win this beat bianca and then i'll you know start focusing on you guys 
kind of the opposite of what we've seen from Bailey as the leader of damage control, because throughout this entire time, she has kind of been all about putting over her girls. And now she kind of like focuses on herself here a little bit. And EO sky was having none of that. Dakota Kai was having none of that. And they're like, hold the hell on. Almost like they were listening intently SP three to what Becky Lynch had to say a couple weeks ago, where they're like, you know what? Becky made some damn good points. We have been following this woman around for nine months and we ain't done shit, but get our ass kicked. Yes. They won the tag team titles twice, but it is what it is. The tag team division is not exactly deep. They haven't had a whole lot of people to fight and beat. And then they get into big matches and they lose and they lose and they lose. They've been losing a lot. And EOS guys like, you know what? Screw this. I want, I want my opportunity. It's time for us to ascend. Starting to see the cracks and the split seems like it's coming SP three, which I think a lot of people after their booking, we feel like should happen. But at the same time, this is the most I've been invested now in damage control from a storyline standpoint since they've been together. Cause now it feels like there's an end game. It feels like there's a story there and it's juicy. How do you think WWE should handle the split of damage control? I think they should book it like uh, the evolution Batista split that you you have the dissension yeah. with with EO Sky. EO Sky feels like the, the person that should have the breakout. And she has a shot at the Raw Women's Championship now after her win on Monday Night Raw against Meechin and Piper Niven. I think that during that matchup with Bianca Belair, who I think her reign is going to continue a little bit longer. She has that reality show on Hulu and stuff. I think that Bailey should be the reason by accident that EO does not win. And you start the slow burn from there of Bailey trying to keep her young her her younglings under her and i i know there's people that would love for bailey to go babyface but i feel like wwe missed that boat on her return on her return she could have been a massive babyface but she would be the right the right heel against eo sky and that's how you have eo sky have her breakout i love that idea i've seen a couple other people bring that up um, one of the things though, depending on who goes babyface or goes, who goes healed, what I want them to accomplish is for EO and Dakota both to be put in a much higher bracket and a much brighter light than what they have been over the last few months. The whole point of putting this group together is to elevate those two superstars. So I like the idea of EO and Dakota both. I, you know, if you can somehow elevate them both into title pictures, I'm not saying that, you know, one of them needs to beat Rhea Ripley. God, no. But, you know, if they become ultimately successful somehow, maybe Dakota wins Queen of the Ring, maybe EO does win the Raw Women's Championship, and now all of a sudden they're draped in gold and they're successful, and, and Bailey now all of a sudden is like on the outside looking in, like she's like slumming it, and Dakota and EO are like, well, why the hell do we need you now? And then they turn around and they just kick her to the freaking curb because they have used her and abused her and now they don't need her anymore. Now they have been elevated. You have created two stars. And now all of a sudden, SP3, you got a very talented Bailey, whom everybody loves in real life. Now you've got that sympathy built up for her. And now you can turn her back, baby face. Maybe even align her with a former friend slash rival frenemy. Maybe you could put a Bailey and Becky team together. Maybe you could 
get Baymella back together, depending on what's going on with Carmella. I don't know, but that opens up a lot of options for Bailey to now go, okay, well now I need help to kill the monster that I've created. And who knows, maybe next year at WrestleMania, we get Bailey versus EO Sky for the freaking Raw Women's Championship. You could sign me up for that. That's what I want with them. I want, at the end of this, I kind of like the idea of Bailey being back to being an over baby face, which she hasn't been in quite some time. And both Dakota and EO being in a better place. I like the idea of EO winning a world title and Dakota winning Queen of the Ring, personally. A lot of things could shake up here soon, or as Triple H would say, change the game here, SP3. Thank God the WWE draft was announced. Thank God Triple H actually had an announcement on Friday after he allegedly had an announcement Monday and didn't say shit. Comes out on Friday and says the exact same spiel, but did actually have an announcement that the WWE draft is coming. We don't have an official date yet, but many people believe it's going to be right after uh, Backlash, the week after Backlash. Who desperately needs to switch brands and get a fresh start in this upcoming draft year, SP3? That was like an announcement without any substance in it. Like, he just said, oh, the draft is coming. Didn't announce the date for yeah, it. The August. Didn't, 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 announce, didn't announce any, like, logistics. Who's making the picks? We don't have GMs anymore. I don't want the networks to be picking the, the draft picks again. Like, the draft is a very uh, – they need to set the guidelines and have a better structure than they have in years past with the WWE draft. As far as who do I think – needs to switch positions i think that seth being on smackdown would put him in a better position to get that opportunity at the at the championship because he'll be on the same show um i would like to see maybe uh maybe some of like the tag teams switching roles i mean honestly at this point he's been on raw so damn much have ray mysterio and lwo on raw uh, you could put Judgment Day on SmackDown now. I mean, Rhea yeah, Ripley, you have already, Rhea Ripley, yeah, she's already there. You can't so split just, them at this point. They got too much momentum. It just makes it just makes sense. Uh, Karrion Cross didn't even remember he was on the roster. Stephen Chambers, but yeah, you could toss him onto onto oh, Raw. Uh, Braun Strowman and Ricochet can be on Monday Night Raw. There's a bunch of guys that would help, but they really have to structure that these are two different brands and they really haven't done that in quite some time. Yeah. You got to first things first, you got to balance out the women's rosters because it's, it's so heavy on SmackDown. And if you're going to use Raquel and, and live in the tag team division, which is great. I got no problem with that. All of a sudden, like, okay, well, past Zelina Vega, who looks like is going to be the first challenger for Rhea in Puerto Rico, which is perfect. I love that. Where do you go from there? Like, who are her challengers moving forward? You got to balance out the women's division. And Steven stole my thunder, man. Karrion Cross to Raw is, is the one that I'm going with. This is a guy, and I know Bray's not hasn't been around in a while, but this is the number two spooky guy on the same show. He needs a reboot again. He needs a refresh. I think putting him on a show, him and Scarlett, on a show that's three hours long, you're going you're gonna to find time. You're going to find time to elevate him and give him something of substance to do. He has not had a lot of time to do that. Uh, Ace and Johnny Gargano, um, whom we didn't see this week after his hellacious match. That could have been travel issues. By the way, shout out to WWE for putting on a much better show this week with half of their damn roster and having to make so many changes at the last minute, which goes to show you last minute changes can actually make a show good. It can act, you can actually still have a good result. As long as you have the right people who are who are who are calling the shots. Um, I could see Johnny Gargano making a switch. 
like I said, there's just so many people that I don't care what brand they're on. I just want them to have something of substance to do. Johnny and Candace uh, being at the top. Of- Johnny and Candace put them on SmackDown. Yeah, like you said, I do think the women's division is probably the the best the best place to start with uh, changing yeah, some some out. brands. One hundred percent. Also, is Rhea a face or a heel? We got to figure that shit out. She's uh, definitely a heel, ladies and gentlemen. Don't <laughs> listen to Ricky Chino. She's getting babyface reactions. I love, I love the the water and vinegar d- dynamic of her and Dom. Like Dom is a freaking heat magnet. Everybody hates her. Everybody loves Rhea, which only makes people hate Dom more because they're together. It works, but when it comes to Rhea defending the title, it don't. Work. <laughs> it doesn't work. It could be kind of an issue. Uh, we talked about this uh, earlier. SP3 been a hell of a week for Tony Khan. FTR resigns. Maybe CM Punk is on the way back. Um, maybe Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks are getting ready to re-sign here. But one thing we do know for sure, Jay White, who it reports were just weeks ago, WWE is very confident they were going to land Switchblade services. And then he shows up last week on Dynamite, and we get the graphic. I think there's a lot of factors here, but ultimately, and this is complete on the spec, right? We're speculating here. Ultimately, why do you think Jay White chose AEW? He landed with Tony Khan instead of going to WWE. I think that it was just a a decision made off of question marks. There is a lot less question marks for Jay White in AEW than it would be for WWE. There was always the question, yeah, there was there was a foregone conclusion. Jay White as he is today, he has the look, he has the the size, he's got the character, he's got the mic work, he's got the in-ring work to be a success in WWE. But the questions were, would they let him keep his name? Would they let him keep his character? Would he be watered down? Uh, How much of his in-ring abilities are they going to show? Are they going to try to say, oh, you don't need to do this portion of your offense and cut cut his offense off by like 50%? Uh, There were so many question marks there. With AEW, we had Switchblade Jay White come out to his signature music that instantly that crowd in Long Island knew he was. He's still the leader of the Bullet Club. He has his own version of the Bullet Club and someone that he could align with. And I and a position to already get in. So there's there's a lot less question marks with all elite wrestling than WWE. All of that makes sense. And I think one of the biggest factors as well, I think this merger had a lot to do with it. And it all comes down to WWE's hiring process, which is reportedly been on a freeze for much of 2023, which is why I see people sitting here in the, you know, chat saying don't forget nxt call-ups and you know what about people who might be coming up to the main roster we haven't seen anybody come up to the main roster why i don't think wwe is willing to give anybody a raise right now and if you're an nxt superstar i mean other than you know a bigger audience right and a bigger spotlight and a massive a massive push you know if i'm going up to raw or smackdown i'm expecting the raw or smackdown pay increase i'm expecting those paydays We haven't seen them hire anybody. We haven't seen them sign an outside free agent. We haven't seen them promote anybody this year. Heck, there were massive uh, spending cuts to WrestleMania this year outside of the actual production and spectacle of it, right? Like they still made the show as big a spectacle as they could, but they didn't spend as much money on WrestleMania as they typically do. Man, they're they're tightening their books for to, until this merger is complete. And we saw in the FIFA report that there was a lack of communication with Jay White. Like they thought he would sit and wait around for him. 
they fucked up. <laughs> they fucked up and he went to AEW. I think the merger has a lot to do with why we haven't seen Cameron Grimes show up on, on, on the main roster yet. Why we haven't seen anybody get called. Why Braun Breaker is still in NXT. Why Carmelo Hayes is still in NXT. Why Grayson Waller, for the love of God, is still in NXT and is now challenged for the title. Is going to lose another damn big match because we know he ain't beating Carmelo. Like, these, a lot of these guys should have been up by now. Roxanne Perez, why are you taking the title off her if you're not moving her up yet? They're not ready to get people raises. So you got to keep them in NXT maybe a little bit longer than, than you originally had, had planned. I think that has a lot uh, to do with it that they're not spending money right now, which might cost them Kenny Omega and it might cost them the Young Bucks as well, among, um, among a myriad of other reasons. And I think Vince McMahon's presence, obviously, is a black cloud over everything. We brought it up earlier as well, SP3. Final question. Finish this sentence. Tony Khan booking a show at Wembley Stadium is blank. I tend to go with either ballsy or insane. It's one or the other. It's, it's insane to do a show in, nine, in a 90,000 seat arena uh, stadium. If you've owned the most you ever sold was 20,000. Uh, I think it's insane to do something like that. But it can also be feel uh, viewed as ballsy. And that's what all in the first one was originally. Sure. He sure. Got, they got told Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks that they couldn't sell out a thousand seat arena. And they went out there and they did it for the first time for an independent show and with tony khan there's going to be a multitude of people who say you're not going to be able to sell out a ninety thousand seat arena so it's ballsy it fits the all-in theme so i'll go with ballsy man uh i around the same lines i was going with ambitious uh ambitious is definitely a word that i would use here and if i'm tony khan oh man i am booking the biggest damn show i could possibly book if you can get the elite to sign off to working with CM Punk and everybody's still under contract. I think that six person tag match is incredible. I think if you can find a way to pull it off, uh, Soraya versus a Mercedes Monet, if you can find a way to book that match, you put it inside Wembley stadium. Hell, if you have to, and believe me, I hate myself for saying this. If you have to book, if you have to book bill goddamn Goldberg on this show to bring in more casuals to fill 90 South now, granted, depending on stage, we're probably talking about 70,000, but you're, you're talking about a WrestleMania crowd. Okay. You're trying to produce a WrestleMania level crowd. You got to bring in WrestleMania level top talent. And big For games. something that we don't know is a pay-per-view. It might be on a <laughs> streaming service because it wasn't announced as a pay-per-view. Yeah. So man, whoo, uh, frantic world saying, I just want to see Davy boy Smith jr. At all in look, I think they're going to bring in as many names. I mean, yeah, if, if that's what you want to see, that's what you want to see. But I mean, I think they're going to try to bring in as many names and Tony Khan is going to try to big bring in as uh, make as best of a card as possible to sell those seats. Now the pre-sales have been great. What I think I saw like 25,000, uh, over overseas so, so far. Uh, First 24 hours for the sign yeah. up. That's so that's, that's huge. That's huge. You're going to hit a wall eventually though. Right. So you're going to hit a wall. You don't want to have to cap off the, the upper bowl and, and, and things of that nature. So ambitious is definitely the word I'm going for. But I think Tony Khan is going to he's going to account for that. And he's going to try to book the best show he can possibly do. All right, SP3, what you got going on a true heel heat this week? 
Uh, just subscribe to the channel. Got an interview coming out with Impact Wrestling's own Steve Macklin on Friday. Nice. We have my preview for the New Japan Pro Wrestling Capital Collision and Collision in Philadelphia with Jay News that went up earlier today. Got Impact Rebellion preview coming up on Friday live at 11.05 a.m. Eastern Time with Joe Pearl of Fightful Wrestling and the True Hill Heat Flagship Podcast Saturday 11.05 a.m. Eastern Time. We got special guest Cresta Star from Fightful Wrestling, joining myself and True Draw Josh tomorrow, the AEW Dynamite Review at 1.05 p.m. Eastern Time. So I'll be up on the True Hill Heat YouTube channel. Subscribe over there. Very, very good. Guys, thank you so much for, for being in the chat and, and and talking along with us and watching the show all the way through uh, through the end. I told you we go way over 45 minutes today. Um, we are going to be off next week, actually. I have some work-related uh, scheduling. We're shorthanded in my shoot job at the radio station, so I'm going to have to be working well into the afternoon all next week. So, unfortunately, we're this show is going to have to take a break next week, but we will be back the week after. Uh, and don't worry, next week I'll be dropping more interviews from WrestleMania weekend. So there will be plenty of reasons to still... Tune in. Of course, we got lost in the mid card at uh, 7 p.m. Monday night. Jeremy uh, Bennett will be here uh, getting you ready for Monday Night Raw. So tune into that. I'll be dropping some more interviews next week. Uh, you can check out my work on Cage Side Seats and make sure to give us both a follow on the Twitter machine at Rick Uccino for those listening on the podcast channel, R-I-C-K-U-C-C-H-I-N-O. And my man over there at True Heel SP3. Thank you guys so much. Uh, enjoy Dynamite tonight. Enjoy SmackDown, enjoy Raw, enjoy Dynamite next week, enjoy SmackDown again, and enjoy Raw and SV3, and I'll be back in two weeks to talk about all of it. It's been the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast, brought to you by Bet Online. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.